Hey everyone, welcome to Healthy Mind, Happy Life Podcast. I am your host, Caitlin Engler. I believe that we can all move through life transitions without losing who we are, but it takes the right support, community, and connection to carry us through. We can heal through sharing experience, strength, and hope. Each week, we will have genuine and real conversations that will inspire you to shift your mindset to live a happier, free life. All right. Well, welcome, Carly, to today's episode. Thank you. And Dario and Nora. We have lots of guests on today's show. (laughs) We are joined by some little babies today. So if you hear some noises, don't blame us. (laughs) Yeah, we're trying our best here. (laughs) Well, thanks again for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So we've known we go way back. Quite yeah. a few years. Quite a few years. So I was glad that you reached out and you wanted to, to come on to the episode today. So why don't you just share with the audience a little bit about who you are as a human being and what it is that you do? Sure. So first and foremost, uh, my name is Carly. I am a person in recovery. And for me, that means I have not used a mood or mind altering chemical in over eight years. And I... I think I'm, I'm also a wife, a sister, a mom, a mother. I said that. I said mom. Mom's on the brain because Mom's the babies the are here. Yeah. The baby is talking to me right now. But I, I, I wear a lot of hats and I do a lot of things. And I think that's one of the gifts of recovery that has given me the ability to, you know, not only be myself, but wear as many hats as I want to. Like I can go on different adventures or endeavors and do a whole bunch of things and I'm kind of just figuring out what that is day to day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm glad that you listed all the other things that you are too, because when we become moms, it's so easy to just identify with that role only and take on those responsibilities. So I find it really exciting that you have all these other things going on. Yes. It's important that I'm not only mom, but I'm still Carly. You know, it's, it's one of those things I was talking to somebody about, you know, when, you know, she's also a new mom and we were just talking about motherhood and the adjustment. Yeah, buddy. Right. And how like he needs me, my husband needs me, but I need me too. So staying true to who I am and remembering that it's okay to take some time for me and revisit, you know, okay, who's Carly today? And what do I like to do? And, and being there for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a really good point being pulled in many different directions and being there for your partner, your husband and, and for the baby and, you know, other people who have multiple kids, it's so hard to, or it's easy, I should say, it's easy to lose ourselves when we're busy taking care of everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I know today we're going to talk, you know, we're going to touch on addiction and talk about mental health, which is why it's what you just said is even more important right. because to take care of yourself, to make sure like you're, you know, that cliche saying of putting your oxygen mask on first, like making sure you're well enough and you're good enough 
to be able to care for everyone else. And I have to say that oxygen mask thing came up the other day. And <laughs> it's not a coincidence. It's, it's not. And I remember hearing that like before I had my son, I remember hearing that and I'm like, of course, like, of course, like that makes sense. Take care. Sometimes I look at him and I'm like, well, of course I'm going to put his on for like, it's you, I like lose that sometimes in the moment when I wasn't mm. like in that position or didn't have that, that experience yet. I was like, oh, well just take care of yourself first. But when you're actually in it as a mom, it's like, oh no. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, a, it's an automated response to right. put other people first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the kids. <laughs> Right, right. Well, it's because they also need so much and they can't right. do, especially at this age, you know, an infant, they can't do anything for themselves. Right. So, you know, you do put them first mm -hmm. and you will feed them first before you feed yourself. Honestly, though, I have learned sometimes, you know what? Sorry, you got to cry for just a second so I yep. can eat because oh, yes. I'm an ugly person if <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> That's so me. And Anthony would say the same thing. Like last night we were, I was arguing with him about something or just had an attitude. And he's like, how do you feel now? After like we were eating, I'm like, I feel a lot better. <laughs> and he was crying. I'm like, mama needs to eat right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's those like little things, right? Yes. Like even being able to just, you know, eat a granola bar or eat something just to satisfy and take care of yourself for a moment. So you right. can be better because what happens I know for myself like if I get to that point and I have like my own needs that aren't being met then I take that out on the kids or I'm course, more reactive yeah. or I'm not as mindful of yeah. my behavior so if I can just take the five minutes go to the bathroom get a snack get a sip of water like those basic needs met mm -hmm. then I'm in a better position yes <laughs> yep I can agree 100% with that so that was a little bit of a tangent, but yes, <laughs> we like tangents on this show. So why don't we go back in time a little bit? Okay. And why don't you share with everyone? You said, you know, the first thing you said was you're a person in recovery. Mm -hmm. So why don't you share and give everyone a little background on how you came into recovery and what sure. that's looked like for you? Sure. So I, and I want to touch on this too, just right before I get into that is I say I'm a person in recovery first because I truly don't believe that all the other titles I have and the relationships that I have today in my life would be here without have stopping using, like without being in recovery. So I really do try to wear that hat first, be grateful for that first because it's allowed me to be a wife and a mom and a better friend and family member. So I found recovery at the age of 18. And I was a senior in high school when I decided I wanted to stop using substances and it was challenging for uh, many reasons you know I, I heard a lot of things like change people, people places and things and I'm like well I'm in high school still and I'm in class with people who I was just using with and you know I don't I don't feel like I can change everything about that at that so there were there were some challenges in the beginning plus being 18 and having that whole like pressure from society of, you know, you're, you're supposed to, or like you're allowed to use and like party and, and I don't know what the right word is. Like, That's not what you do yourself. at that age. Right. And it's kind of expected that, you know, you're going to go off to college soon and 
party more there and find yourself kind of through that. And I, it took me to a very dark place. I did things that I never thought that I would. And looking back, I can really see how fast the disease progressed. And it didn't take long before I, you know, found myself on my bedroom floor crying and like praying, like, I need this to go away. Like I need to be able to find and get help. Like I wanted to die at the end of my road. I really Mm -hmm. did. And I was so depressed and we'll touch on that in a little bit, but like I can recognize and see how like mental health played a huge part in my disease and in, in my substance use. And like, it was just undiagnosed for so long. And that's why I used. So what did you do when you first got clean? Because there's, there's, I see this all the time, right? And people come in and they're trying to get sober and, and get clean, but it's kind of that question of what comes first, the chicken or the egg, mm. right? Is it mental health? Is it the addiction? And they can mimic one another. They can feed into one another. So I'm curious, what did that look like when you first got clean? So it was, it was suggested to me to stay abstinent and like you know, be in recovery for at least a year before getting a mental health evaluation. And that gave me time, like personally, it gave me time to like rid my body of everything that I put in it for X amount of years and discover truly like who is Carly without a chemical. Who is Carly? How does her brain function? What's going on with her? without the use of anything from the outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was drinking coffee and stuff, but like, you know. but We won't know, be too the, rigid. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it was, it was important for me to do that. I think I got a better understanding of, okay, these, this is how I handle life without chemicals. And this is how I feel without chemicals on a day-to-day basis. And this isn't good. <laughs> like, things were not great at that time and that's when I got the mental health evaluation and you know saw a psychiatrist and therapist and and got help for the mental health part too Mm -hmm. wow I've actually never heard that suggest suggested so I'm I'm glad that you gave yourself that time and space yeah a year can sound like a really long time yep and that's just my experience everybody's different. I truly believe that. And I would never like tell somebody exactly what to do, but that suggestion really, I was like, I can, I can do that. I can Mm -hmm. wait a year and and figure things out. But I mean, there were some rough days. There were some days where I would cry all day and, Mm -hmm. you know, not know why. And there were days where I'd be super anxious and not know why. And like it was, it was rough. And, you know, in hindsight, like I probably should have sought help earlier, but I really wanted to give it a try and, you know, just figure out what my normal state was at that point. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that goes for anything, whether that's mental health or cleaning up the mess from addiction or whatever, that first year getting out of relationships, changing relationships, that first year of recovery from drugs and alcohol, I feel like is that, right? It is recovering yeah. from everything that happened during addiction. So it's very difficult, whether that's because of depression, anxiety, other mental health disorders, 
consequence, you know, making amends and dealing with all the emotions, feeling emotions for the first time. Yep. It's very, that first year is the most rewarding thing when you make it to that first year, but it is very hard. And that's why that take it day by day suggestion is there. Yes. Because it's because a year can sound like a long time. It can sound very overwhelming. So just one day at a time. And it sounds like, you know, on those really rough days, you acknowledged those really rough days, but you had a support system to help get you through that day or two. Mm -hmm. And it like those suggestions of, you know, to the whole broaden your base thing of like reaching out to people and, and networking with people and having, at least for me, like strong women in my life that have gone through a similar, similar experiences and are recovering. And like that, that saved me. That saved me before I found, you know, medication and stuff like that, like other things that helped with my mental health later on. So just reaching out is the biggest thing and admitting that, you know, there's a problem, I need help and not letting my ego Mm. prevent me from asking for help because it's not a weak thing. It's the strongest thing I ever did. Mm. I love that. So what, so we get into, so you get into recovery. Correct. And it's not all unicorns, rainbows, and butterflies. <laughs> Not every day. Not so every what day. have been some of the challenges along the way? That's a good question. I there, there have been many. I think something that I'm still, even eight years into this, still trying to accept and kind of wrap my brain around is... You know, I came into recovery at the same time as a, as a few other young people. And, you know, we were hanging out and, and getting together, going out for coffee. And it was just nice to have that support with other people that I could relate to. And, you know, nobody says, like, sometimes there might be a reoccurrence with a close friend or sometimes they might go back out and you like mm-hmm. it's it like that's been really challenging. And I'm still not quite able to, I mean, I've accepted where other people are at and I understand that that's their journey, but it still breaks my heart. And like, I'm sad, like I mourn the friendships and I mourn where we were all at at one point. And I think one of the things that I've learned through that is, you know, I'm still moving forward and that's, what's important. Like, in life, whether it's addiction, mental health, like it could be any struggle or any adversity that we face, like not everybody's going to be moving at the same pace as us, right? So it's it's not a race to that type of thing. And it's not a race to the finish line. It's a journey. And I really like that because that saying, you know, we've talked about it on this podcast before. There's people that come into our life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And those people were the season, right? They were the season that got you through and you needed them at that time. Yep. But there is a sadness that's like, I, I wish it was like that, or I miss them, or I wish our relationship continued to grow. And it's really hard to, to watch other people take different paths, whether that's for 
the better or the worse, but it, it's difficult that when lives keep evolving and changing and growing, mm-hmm. and it sounds like that's what happened for you too, is you continue to grow and what you've realized is that's not always the case for everyone else right. in recovery. And I tried to say it as gently as possible because it's not yeah. like... It's I'm hard. on this pedestal of like, I'm growing and nobody else is, but I mean, we're growing in different ways. Right. You know, right. like we all have to make our own decisions and our choices and hopefully we can walk through them with some grace and walk through them with, with a better understanding for next time. But, you know, we all, we're all on our different journey. So I like that what you said, like it was a season that I needed certain people. Yeah. Yeah. So... How has, you know, we were talking about mental health. So you gave yourself that first year to really just kind of detox everything out. Yep. So share a little bit about what that mental health journey has looked like over, you know, the years that you've been in recovery. Yeah. So I remember when I was first diagnosed, like by a doctor in the office with depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder. And... I immediately just, there was a sense of almost relief that came over me because I'm one of those people that's like, okay, we identify the problem. Now we can work on a solution. Like we know what the problem is. So like, that's good, you know? So it was, it was relieving. It was also scary because I didn't know what a lot of that meant and what that meant for me and the recovery process with, with those diagnosis. But I, again, just learned the one day at a time thing. And I talked to the doctor. I said, you know, what are we going to do? Like, what, what are our options here? So medication was suggested. And in, in addition to medication, I've also found things outside of that that help me. So like fitness, working out. I know that, you know, being around people, like my, my depression thrives in isolation. And so I need to at least call somebody every day or meet up with somebody a couple times a week. And like that really helps. I know that spiritually, like I needed to find what was going to work for me spiritually and how, you know, that journey has evolved in my relationship with my higher power. And there's just so many factors that play into my recovery from, you know, with mental health and, and really addiction too. You know, I think they, they go hand in hand and what helps me for one is going to help me for the other. So what you said about medication, in addition to doing all these other things, right? Cause a lot of people feel similar to you where they're like, okay, maybe it's not what I want to hear, but at least now I know what the problem is or the challenges and I can do something to help myself. Mm-hmm. And so medication is, it can be a good starting point for people to just kind of to get to help with the symptoms and to manage the symptoms, right? But it doesn't correct the problems or the challenges in your life, right? It doesn't necessarily help with that internal healing, right? It just helps to, it aids in getting your feet on the ground. I was thinking the same thing, you know, when I'm, I've, I've had depressive, you know, episodes and moments where I, I couldn't get out of bed. And I really think like to lay it out and illustrate it, it's like the medication kind of gets me moving out of bed a little bit. And then those other things like make me live my day and, and 
live my life, you know? Yeah. Like the medication's not going to help with improving your communication with your husband. Right. Right. It's, <laughs> it's not going to necessarily help with not being explosive or impulsive. And it may help lessen some of those things or cause you to pause more, yeah. but it's, it's not going to change the behavior. Right. Right. So it just helps to slow things down. It helps to, like you said, get, get that, get out of bed, that jump start. that jump start. a little bit. So I really like that you mentioned that. Cause a lot of times people I think believe like, Oh, if I just take this medication, all my problems will go away. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't work that way. It's no. an aid. But there's it's a tool in your toolbox, but there's so many other tools right. that have to be there in order to to build the thing you're building. And I really found that, I mean, with when it comes to substance use and addiction, I've heard it said a lot. And even uh, I've been guilty of saying it, too, of like, you know, an individual that's, you know, in active, use, you can't like they have to want recovery they have to want the help and want to get out of it and yes and I would also say that the same thing for mental health too I mean I was stuck and and I don't want this to sound harsh in any way but I was stuck and it took me saying like I need help in order for people to reach out and like help me with it and help me navigate the system and navigate you know, how to advocate for myself in this, in this case. And why does our ego tell us that we can do it alone? Right? Because yeah. what you're saying is, <laughs> it is true, like asking for help, but it is it is a must. But so many of us don't do it because our, yeah. it hurts our ego. It hurts or, our ego to ask for help. We can ask for help, but accepting the help, like, are we going to accept the help? Even with motherhood, like I have, I have this little guy here and I can ask for help all day long, but as soon as someone says, oh, I'll bring a meal over or, oh, I can watch him for a little bit. I'm like, no, no, I got it. I got it. I really got it. Like, is that, is that ego? Like, I think it is. I think it's definitely my ego saying like, I can do it all. I got it. No help needed. But then I ask for it. Don't accept it. Mm -hmm. Like, why is that? Because yeah. we we like to believe that we can do it all. Mm -hmm. Right. And we, I know for me, sometimes I think of it as no one else says this. This is something I've made up in my own head that I'm like, okay, I get, you know, so many times to ask for help and I got to be very careful how I utilize that. Right. Like I want mom to take the kids Friday night so we can go to dinner. So if she's offering to bring me dinner sometime this week, like, or to take the kids, oh, no, no, no. Like, I, I need you for Friday, right? It's like, no one else is keeping that tally except me. Right. But it's, you know, sometimes I don't want to put, I don't want to burden other people is what it is. Right? Like, it was my choice to have kids. They're my kids. I want to be responsible for them. And so it's hard to let others mm -hmm help. Yes. That burdening other people thing is something that I have to remind myself of that when I say to somebody, oh, you need help. I can help you. It's because I genuinely want to. When other people say, hey, Caitlin, I can help you. It's because they want to. And I need to remind myself of that. Like, okay, people wouldn't offer to help if they 
didn't genuinely want to help. They mm-hmm. just keep going about their day. So well, I'm like, okay, you- it's not a burden if they're off. It's not a burden necessarily if they're off. like, I do the same thing, you know, and I have to remind myself, it's not a burden if they're willing to do it. It's if I say like, well, you're doing it anyways, you know, mm-hmm. it's just tough. Well, and if you flip it, right, if you're the one asking someone, can I help you? You want them to be like, yes, can you do this for me? So you feel like you're playing a part in right. making that person's life a little easier because you know they have something going on. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's how I've tried to reframe it is like you just said, people want to help. Yeah. And so, uh, and I, cause I know there's been plenty of situations where I want to help other people and they won't let me. And I'm like, please just let me. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just do it and other times I don't, but yeah. I want them to take me up on that. Mm-hmm. So like I try to reframe it in my head that way that, that, you know, they want to help. And so I will give that if there's really something I need, then I will let people help. Mm-hmm. Again, we went off on another tangent, but that's okay. <laughs> it's going to happen. We like tangents <laughs> here. <laughs> so share a little bit about where you are now. You just had this little dude, Dario, and where are things with your mental health and your recovery? And how are you navigating this postpartum period? Navigating it? Well, I think I need to give myself credit sometimes. And I think it it all changes day to day, right? So I knew when I was pregnant for him, I thought about, you know, I heard people saying, you know, postpartum depression, postpartum, postpartum. And I said, okay, I currently have depression. I know I'm probably going to be more prone to have it postpartum as well. And, and I wasn't trying to like speak that into existence, but I was trying to be proactive and say, okay, like, let me talk to my psychiatrist, tell him that I'm pregnant. Like he was one of the first people that knew and let me, you know, get together like a support network. And, you know, I have friends of mine who were pregnant at the same time and linking up with them and just 